When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, this is Gary Lockwood. You're listening to TV Confidential. Our opening kickoff is deep into the end zone of the Moors, where hounds bay and witches fly brooms. And the belief in the supernatural is as natural as breathing or not breathing. We call this item, I'll Never Leave You, Ever. Night Gallery and After Hours Tour, revised second edition, 50th anniversary retrospective by Scott Skelton and Jim Benson. Jim Benson is our guest this hour. Night Gallery and After Hours Tour, available now, creaturefeatures.com, nightgallery.com. Net. Jim, before we went to break, we were talking about some of the reasons behind the truncated third season of Rod Serling's Night Gallery, including its terrible time slot that year, Sunday night, 10 o'clock, following the NBC mystery movie. A terrible time slot simply because in the fall of 1972, the broadcast schedule on Sunday night ended at 10.30. So unless you happen to be tuned into the NBC mystery movie that night... You probably weren't going to change the channel from what you were watching at 10 o'clock to watch Night Gallery. That was one of the things that hurt the show. You reminded me of something that the second season of the uh, Wednesday mystery movie became the Sunday mystery movie uh, beginning in the fall 72 season. And while most of the mystery movie segments were 90 minutes as they were on Wednesday nights, in some cases, such as Columbo, uh, the show has expanded two hours, and so the weeks when Columbo, for example, went two hours, that would that means it would run 8.30 to 10.30. There would be no night gallery that week, and in a day and age when there were no DVRs or DV, um, uh, uh, D, uh, VCRs, there's no way to record a show uh, if you weren't, uh, 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 or to find out when the show might air next if it didn't air this week, that hurt a show like Night Gallery in 1972. Not only did it hurt the show, but what really hurt the show was the vice president uh, in charge of programming, Larry White. Uh, It was his first year on the job, and uh, there were two shows that he didn't like on the NBC schedule. It was Bonanza and Night Gallery. Uh, So he went out of his way not to support those shows, and run them down publicly, and especially in the case of Bonanza. He said Bonanza was old hat, it was old fashioned, young people couldn't relate to it. Uh, he said that before the uh, uh, 13th, 14th season of Bonanza. So the handwriting was on the wall that Bonanza was going to be canceled. Indeed, it was in the mid season, just like with Night Gallery. They were canceled at the same time. 
uh, and he rarely talked about Night Gallery. I think he wanted it to go away. And once Ron Serling complained about uh, NBC's changing the the style and the format of the show uh, and interfering creatively, you know, Serling went to the press. Uh, famously, he went uh, on the Dick Cavett show uh, to complain about what NBC had done with the show. Uh, w- once he started calling out Larry White without actually mentioning his name, <laughs> I, I, I think at that point Larry White decided, okay, I'm I'm going to do everything I can to get the show off the air because it's just a pain. It's a it's a it's a problem show, and Serling is a problem guy. Uh, so um, so what Larry White decided to do was because Columbo was such a massive hit. In the, in the first season, he decided to, uh, to expand it to two hours to get greater ratings, especially on Sunday night. Make it more like a movie, and by expanding it to two hours, he could counter the ABC movie of the week, which was showing two-hour movies and sometimes longer. And, uh, and they were eating, you know, they, they were getting tremendous ratings and really hurting uh, Columbo because they were showing blockbuster movies like Airport and Goldfinger and uh, Patton. You know, they were showing all these recent massive hits and crushing, you know, Mannix and uh, Columbo and Night Gallery in the ratings. We've been talking about some of the misconceptions of Night Gallery, uh, one of which is the number of episodes and that relates to the pro- the other project you and Scott did, the third season DVD release, in which you restored the length of episodes that had been cut to shreds when Night Gallery went into syndication. Yeah, that was a huge project, and uh, that was incredibly hard. <laughs> but, but but it was worth it because again, you know, we we we've been very fortunate with Night Gallery that. Uh, Everything that we've ever ever wanted to do for the show, we've had the opportunity to do it uh, because we wanted to right so many historical wrongs. Because you know, Night Gallery was such a persecuted show. <laughs> uh, one of the reasons is because it was a horror show, mm-hmm. and uh, even though horror was uh, experiencing a renaissance in the early seventies. It ju- it did not have the the mainstream acceptance, especially among network executives, that it do- that it does now. Um, it was still stereotyped as you know being you know uh, lurid Roger Corman movies and Vincent Price movies and campy and all the rest of it. And NBC didn't really know what to do with the show. <laughs> they really didn't. It, it it didn't it didn't fit the normal slots. It didn't fit the conventional format of television, and it was it was chaotic. It was anarchistic. It was run by a bunch of you know young hippies. Uh, it was always going over budget, and they were producing shows that the networks didn't really understand. I think it was Sid Sheinberg who, uh, when being uh, shown in the dailies, uh, Lindemann's Catch. You know, he didn't understand how how a mermaid could exist. <laughs> he, you know, he didn't. He for the last laurel, he he didn't understand how how could a man pass through a wall? You know, how could his spirit pass through a wall? 
He didn't, you know, he just, he had no concept. He only understood reality. He didn't, <laughs> he didn't really have a concept for the supernatural. Uh, so that, that's, you know, that's what the producers uh, were up against. And of course, being young, they were reflective of, of what ultimately happened 20, 30 years later. And, and those guys were the driving forces changing television and making supernatural horror and science fiction more acceptable. Night Gallery and After Hours Tour, revised second edition, 50th anniversary retrospective by Scott Skelton and Jim Benson. Jim Benson is our guest this hour. Night Gallery and After Hours Tour, available now, creaturefeatures.com, nightgallery.net. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. One more item. Summertime is in full swing, and if you have dry skin, you know what happens when the weather gets warmer. More visible lines and dullness. Fortunately, our friends at Ibu Beauty can help. Their Super Duo Serum and Moisturizer is all you need this summer for the perfect look. Check them out, ibubeauty.com. That's Y-I-B-U, beauty.com, or at Ibu Beauty on Instagram. Use customer code Ibu50 now at checkout and receive 50% off your first order. Jim, you describe Night Gallery as a horror show as long as we are debunking some of the misconceptions about Rod Serling's Night Gallery. How did Night Gallery come to be associated with The Sixth Sense, a show that, other than loosely being under the umbrella of science fiction or, or the supernatural, had nothing to do with each other? They had nothing to do with each other. Six Sense wasn't even on the same network. It was on ABC. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not really an anthology because it had uh, it had different stories, but it had a same, you know, the same leading character played by Gary Collins. Uh, it primarily focused on ESP, so it, it was more of a niche show. Night Gallery was more an uh, adaptation of classic fiction. Uh, featuring stories that were written, like you mentioned, you know, back in the 1800s by our August Derleth and H.P. Lovecraft and writers such as that. And the reason for that was Jack Laird was an inveterate reader, mm-hmm. and he loved these, you know, short story anthologies. And so probably the majority, I think the majority of the uh, Night Gallery episodes were adaptations, were not original stories, including a lot of Rod Serling's stories were adaptations, especially of the Lovecraft stuff, which he loved to do. And to circle back to the question, the short answer is because Night Gallery had less than 100 episodes, which was the magic number back in the 1970s that a show needed to make back its production costs in syndication because Night Gallery had less than 100 episodes and because The Sixth Sense had roughly 20, 25 episodes at the time it was canceled in 1973. The powers that be at Universal edited episodes of The Sixth Sense into the Night Gallery syndication package, including brand new wraparounds by Rod Serling himself, all of which is explained in detail in Rod Serling's Night Gallery and After Hours Tour Revised 50th Anniversary 2nd Edition, available at creaturefeatures.com, nightgallery.net. <laughs> 
Tell us a little bit about the third season DVD, which is another night gallery project that you and Scott worked on as part of your efforts to preserve the legacy of night gallery. How did that project come about? Well, it came about because Universal had released uh, season second of night gallery, but they didn't release uh, certain segments like um, uh, Witch's Feast, which was a a vignette with Ruth Buzzy. Uh, And so the fans were clamoring to see the segments that were never aired on the network, but they were aired in the syndicated version of Night Gallery because they were trying to pad out the show and create uh, at least 100 episodes that is the minimum that you need for syndication. So Universal said, hey, you guys, uh, we want to include these segments that were not included in the second season. Can you help us out? We said, sure, yeah. I mean, you know, the opportunity to go through the archives, the film archives of Universal <laughs> Studios, it, it was, again, uh, a dream that we always had and never thought it would come true, and, and it did with this project. So we were trying to figure out how to do it, and so I ultimately came up with the idea. I, I called Scott, and I said, Scott, there's enough material here that we could actually put together a new night gallery hour featuring all of this you know, cutting room floor footage. And so we worked out the logistics. We talked to the folks at Universal. We said, is this doable? And they said, yeah. Then it became the type of project where you had literally thousands of different pieces, visual film pieces, the music cues, the uh, sound effects tracks. We had to cobble together all of those elements from different episodes and Scott uh, chose which music cues were going to be new music cues for these episodes. And it, it wasn't totally his decision because many of the music cues, and Scott is the music expert on this, uh, you know, he has notes from the original composers such, Gil, such as Gil Malay and Paul Glass, people like that. So he knew uh, some of the intentions of Jack Laird and composers uh, Gil Malay and Paul Glass and others, and where they would most likely have put those cues for these episodes. So we we did it in a way that what you know what would Jack Laird think? What would Jack Laird decide? And we knew enough about his thinking process that we were actually able to step in and make those Jack Laird producer decisions and come as close to the original spirit of Night Gallery, and I think we absolutely uh, succeeded um, because we know the show well enough that that I don't think we were putting our own bias or our own opinions into the creative process. I think we were tracking along with what the original creators would have intended. And uh, the episode that you and Scott basically reconstructed includes Little Girl Lost, which is one of the better segments of Night Gallery. Uh, you mentioned Witch's Feast. Uh, Scott uh, describes that very succinctly. To find out exactly what Scott Skelton had to say, you have to pick up a copy of Night Gallery After Hours Tour, available creaturefeatures.com, nightgallery.net. Let's talk a little bit about their tearing down Tim Riley's bar. In some respects, that represents the best and the worst of Night Gallery. It is widely considered one of the very best things Rod Serling ever wrote. So that's 
That's the best of Night Gallery. The worst of Night Gallery is they're tearing down Tim Riley's bar was a 40-minute show as it originally aired, but it's cut. it was cut to pieces in syndication. Right. The, the, the syndication debacle was a debacle uh, because, as I mentioned earlier before, uh, Universal wanted to create a syndication package that was particularly robust and the way that uh, you would guarantee success in syndication is if you had at least uh, 100 episodes that um, wouldn't repeat over again until you, you know, after you would have a three-month cycle, you know, before you had to start repeating it over again. Uh, you know, so that was the minimum that you needed. And Night Gallery posed a problem because there were six one-hour episodes in the first season, 22 uh, uh, hour-long episodes in the second season, and then you had uh, 15 half-hour shows in the third season, and then you had all these bits and sc- uh, scraps that were, you know, running, <laughs> that were floating around Universal somewhere uh, that uh, you know could be tacked on as well that were never aired. Uh, so what happened was Universal hired Harry Tatterman, who was a vice president at Universal, and he was basically in charge of taking TV shows and making them into movies of the theatrical, week. <laughs> theatrical films <laughs> that could be released overseas. Yeah. So he, he would take episodes of The Virginian, he would take episodes of Captain Nice, he would take episodes, uh, you know, of, of the, the most uh, incongruous shows and uh, try to create... Uh, a narrative and a continuity so people would, would buy the fact that they were actual feature films, which is, was absurd. Um, so he applied that same, same technique to Night Gallery. And in the process, he, he destroyed virtually every episode. He created the biggest myth, uh, which was when people started watching Night Gallery in syndication, they thought that that's what the original show was like. Yeah. If, they, if you hadn't seen the original show, that was the only you know, evidence you could base your opinion on. But in so doing, he created yours and Scott's life work. Correct. <laughs> because, we, because we were so outraged, as well as other uh, Night Gallery fans who were, who were familiar with the original shows, we were so outraged at the butchery that had been done uh, that we decided to write... Uh, a night gallery book to explain exactly what happened that you know it's very very difficult to convince people that what they're seeing is not what they're seeing it's, it's still a struggle even now because there are certain uh, tv networks that are still running the half hour butchered syndicated <laughs> versions of night gallery so now we have a whole new generation generation z the millennials who think night gallery is a piece of garbage because they're watching the wrong episodes. They're watching the syndicated ones. Well, they need to pick up a copy of Night Gallery and After Hours Tour 50th Anniversary Retrospective to uh, correct them of that misconception. Night Gallery After Hours Tour available creaturefeatures.com, nightgallery.net. We'll talk some more with Jim after this quick timeout here on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. 
tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.